0: The M-Store where they're all Grizz all the time.
2: At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more.
1: Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tuchel and Hi, Jim. Two Tell No On Us, 1029 ESPN Radio, hour number two. Happy Monday. Plus, your Monday might be over, you know, five o'clock, just after five. Workday in the books. Not for Coulter and I, though, we're still here grinding. That's right. Happy to be with all of you. I hope you're having a great day. 361 3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And uh, if you'd like to listen live you can do it on the stream. The stream is available on our website 1029espn.com. You listen on the stream live 24 hours a day and to this show live 2 hours a day thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I just batted that Sean Austin committee to the Cats on uh, into the sports center there. Yes. Yeah, uh, significant. It, it is significant. I also I would love to ask somebody like Justin Green or somebody like Jimmy Beal, the recruiting coordinators of the Cats and the Grizz this. To me, when you're uh, when you're evaluating tape on guys that are FCS-level recruits, mm-hmm. the two hardest positions for me are linemen because chances are, like if this kid's a lineman from Montana or Idaho or something, he's so much bigger and stronger than the guys he's going against. So the tape just looks ridiculous because they just kill people. I mean, they're just mowing guys over. But so often, too, when you recruit guys from rural areas – like this, Sean Austin came from Kuna, Idaho. So it's you know it's a four A high school in, in Idaho, but I mean it's it's not like he's from Seattle or Portland or Los Angeles or whatever, right? There, I mean the guys that play quarterback are always the best athletes, and so the tape is just so ridiculous because I can't ever figure out how to evaluate: Can this guy get through three reads? You know, can this guy do a seven step drop and throw a deep post you know, on a rope? I don't know because every time a play breaks down, they're just off and running, looking like Lamar Jackson, and I just right. would love to get the perspective from the coaches on, you know, when you know this kid is just a better athlete than everybody else on the field. How do you know he he's going to be able to translate to the D one level? Like it's totally different when you're evaluating kids like, oh, I'm trying to think, like a kid like Dalton Snead who's playing in, uh, you know, the top level of Arizona in the in at a prep school. Yeah. I mean, every guy, he's going against a Pac-12 guy. So when he's scrambling and stuff, you're like, oh, okay, well, this guy, you know how good he's going to be. Whereas, like, when you're just running, like Carson Rostad at Hamilton, he just did whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. In class day, he'd do whatever he wanted. I mean, he's, if, if you don't, if he's not throwing a touchdown on you, he's going to be able to extend the play until he gets positive yards almost every single time. And so I just don't know how you know that they translate. But on the other hand, I also think it's interesting because sometimes those type of kids, they come in with such a high level of confidence. Yeah. When we were talking to, I was talking to Shannon Schillinger about that, the, the, uh, the Grizz Football Fundraiser Golf Tournament we played in on Friday. And Shan, I mean, Shan had one of the most ridiculous high school careers in the history of the state of Montana. I think he went 44-1, and went undefeated three years in a row, won four straight state championships. He was the quarterback. But like he said, he said, when I got to Missoula, I was sort of intimidated by how big and fast and strong guys were compared to class B, but also I had never lost in my life. So of course I'm confident. Yeah. I mean, like we don't, you just know, you're gonna, it's like Mark Mariani. We used to talk about that right. with Mark. Like Mark was four times state tennis champion, three times state basketball champion. Like losing was not part of the equation. So yeah. a lot of times guys like that just have such an elevated level of confidence too. And I think that even if they don't, they come from a smaller school, they still they're ready to roll when they get to this level just because they do have the belief in themselves.
1: Sutel and Nuana's 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll certainly talk more about that uh, news tomorrow uh, on the show, spend some time kind of evaluating a little bit as we get a chance to. Uh, but, Coulter, we uh, finished today with our favorite players by NBA franchise, this time the Pacific Division, almost. Uh, we are going to do all the California teams who are all in the Pacific Division. They are also joined in that division by the Phoenix Suns. We put the Phoenix Suns, though, mistakenly in the Southwest Division because... I mean, why wouldn't Phoenix be in the Southwest? Divisions don't matter in the NBA. And they're also so so dumb. How is Memphis in
0: the Southwest and Phoenix is not in the Southwest? We're going to do
1: the Spurs, uh, who are in the Southwest Division, that we did not do when we did the Southwest uh, Division before. So the four California teams and the Spurs, that's what we do today to round out our favorite players by franchise. What team would you like to start with? Uh, Let's start with the Kings. Okay. Uh, my favorite Sacramento King of all time is uh, not well just say it's Chris Weber I hmm, like
0: Chris really Chris uh, I don't know that that you're the first person I think that would name Chris Weber as their favorite of anything is that right I mean isn't Chris, Chris Weber has one of the most interesting legacies in in all of the the NBA history right
1: yes great up to the point where he was gonna cement it and then couldn't and failed
0: horrendously But like you couldn't be more talented than Chris Webber right? right I mean he's he's a number one overall pick he was the I mean there's very few guys that went number one number one number one you know what I mean where you were the number one player coming out of high yeah. school you were the number one overall draft pick in the NBA and then you were a first team all-nba player as a very young guy
1: Chris Webber uh First of all, i I loved the Fab Five. I'm of an age where I was a youngster when the Fab Five was the Fab Five at Michigan and i I loved them and I rooted for them and Chris Weber was the face of that team. I mean it wasn't juwan Howard, it wasn't Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose is probably the most famous of them now because of everything he's done after he finished playing. but Chris Weber is still the face of that team, and Chris Weber then went to the Sacramento Kings and the Kings were great. And Sacramento was a great venue. It was loud. It was raucous. And him playing with Vladi Divac and Peja Stojakovic, and they had some great teams in Sacramento. And he is a monster, man. Like Chris Weber, both ends of the floor, what he did offensively, defensively, blocks, rebounds. He was as talented a guy as you could imagine. And he, I mean, we all know what happened at Michigan and in, in the timeout and the whole thing, okay? And that they never won and they never achieved, you know, the national championship, which was supposed to be the, 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 the they were just a, a coronation and it never happened for them. He goes to the NBA, he never wins a championship in the NBA. That is true. He also took a team that is utterly irrelevant, sorry, Jay Forrest, utterly irrelevant And put them into Western Conference Finals, long postseason runs for years. He did that, and he was also exciting to watch play. And I understand that you know there's been beef and fallout and so on and so forth with his Michigan teammates and things that were retrospective. But as a player, as a guy watching him, and and as a young guy watching him play at that time, I loved watching Chris Weber play. I that. The Kings have some, you know, other guys you could get into. I mean, you could talk about Mike Bibby, Jay Williams, some some uh, other, you know, players and certainly modern day guys. I mean, De'Aaron Fox may well become my favorite Sacramento I King love of, here, all, yeah, of all time, but he ain't
0: now. So he's not, you know, so it's Chris Webber for me. If you were to make an all-NBA team... Of the guys that were so good but still not as good as we wanted them to be or that we hoped they could be or that we thought they probably would be. It, I mean, isn't Chris Webber a first-team-all underachiever in that sense? I, I'm not ready to say that. Like what – he he never
1: – because he never won NBA finals and things like that, people – I, I really think that the timeout – is the thing where people go, oh, okay, this guy, this guy just cracks or something like that in the big moments. I just don't think that's true. I think that's a false narrative. I think it happened once to a 19-year-old kid on a major stage, and it's really, you know, a bummer. But I don't think that that is who Chris Webber is. And if you talk to me about, you know, four straight All-Star games all nba player first team all nba player one second nba uh, time uh, second team all nba player three times yeah a very high watermark just because he's okay is he i mean is he watch? a hall of
0: famer no he's probably yeah, not but a he hall be. of famer but he might. he might i mean he was 21 and 10 for his whole career man i mean that's what i mean he's he's an unbelievably uh, good i know player. so i guess i need to rephrase cuz you can't you're like you're right he's a five time all-star so you can't say he's a total underachiever i guess he's like the leader in the clubhouse of the team that we wish wanted a little bit more from yeah him, here's my here's my team for this exact narrative. Yeah. Chris Weber, Vince Carter, Grant Hill, um Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, and Penny Hardaway. Get out of here. Just
1: take Shaq off of your list. That is just that's absurd.
0: It's not. We'll get it to that when we get to the Lakers. It is. All right. Who's your favorite Sacramento King? Man, I don't know because I really hated the Kings when they were at their best. I hated them for multiple reasons. First of all, now this is your segment, and You haven't done any preparation. I, I don't know. I have. I just don't like any of the Kings. I don't. I. 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 probably would say, man, I probably would say Mike Bibby, because I. I. I was always an Arizona guy, but like that whole the Kings teams that were so fun and famous of the late 90s and early 2000s like Chris Webber was a huge part of with Jason Williams. And, a huge part of. The central feature No, of, no doubt. Yes. You know, Jason Williams, Peja Stojakovic, Vlade Divac, you know, Chris Webber, Doug Christie, the, those teams were awesome. I was a huge Lakers fan at that point in my life. So I wanted them to relentlessly beat the Kings. Also, one of my good buddies, our buddy Sample, who actually I just he just texted me because he knows we're talking smack about the Kings, but he's a huge Kings fan too, so we've always been battling over that too. I actually think that De'Aaron Fox has the potential to be my favorite king. I love De'Aaron Fox, but I've just never really loved very many Kings. Who's your next team? Uh, let's do the Golden State Warriors. My favorite Golden State
1: Warrior of all time is Steph Curry. Me too. Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway are on that list. The I, Tim I Hardaway's really up like, there for me too. I like Tim Hardaway a lot. Um I love Clay. I love Draymond. I love Steve Kerr. I love Kevin Durant. And I already made Kevin Durant my favorite Oklahoma City Thunder slash Seattle Supersonic. But Steph Curry, Steph Curry is the first ever. Absolutely must watch shooter that's ever that that I've ever been around. Now people talk about Pete Maravich. People can talk about other guys going back in the day. This is the first one for me, and he has changed the game of basketball. And he is an absolute must watch player. He's my favorite favorite
0: warrior. Yes, yeah, too bad he's been hurt for so long because he's unbelievable to watch. You know, Ryan Rossillo and Bill Simmons always talk about the the Steph Curry heat check. There's never been a player in NBA history where. If you're watching the Warriors and Steph starts going off, he, he hits one and he hits two, you text your buddy right away and say, dude, turn on NBA TV. Dude, turn on ESPN. Steph's about to hit like five in a row. And some of the heat check threes he, he takes. I mean, to me, he's changed the game of basketball more than anybody since Michael Jordan, probably. He's definitely the guy that's been the trailblazer of his era, going all the way back to his days at Davidson. I mean, he was unbelievable. And I think that he showed the world, especially in this new league that isn't quite as physical, is way more based on skill that you can get by without being physically elite. I mean, because Steph Curry's a great athlete, obviously. He's got phenomenal hand-eye coordination, but he's tiny. I mean, he's, so, he's oh, so slight. I think we are in one of
1: the, if I may say, least athletic moments of NBA basketball that we've seen in terms of the elite players and what they are compared to what they've been athletically. Now of course there's LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I understand all that. Yeah.
0: But there's different types of athleticism though. Jokic, Steph
1: Curry. Yeah. I mean Clay Thompson. But but, all all these are
0: also, the low-hanging fruit though is to always pin athleticism on size, speed, and strength. Yes, that's and what it is. I know, but there's also other elements of athleticism that are underrated, in my opinion. Things like spatial awareness, things like hand-eye coordination. And that's where the NBA has gotten to right. is, is but, being but able to Spatial see, awareness is not athleticism. It's something completely
1: different. Right, that's but it's, why it's a part it's of the mental
0: part of athleticism, right? No, no, no. no.
1: The mental part of athleticism... Uh, there is no mental part of athleticism. Athleticism is just the physical. That's, that is the point. Well, Steph... I think gave hope to so many different kids. Oh, he's ruining people's like my life thirty years after the fact. There's a lot of kids who think that they could be Steph Curry. And kids, you know, not to ruin your hopes and dreams, you can't. You cannot be him, okay? Kids driving around in the car right now looking screaming at their radios. Yes, I can. Hey, believe believe that you can do it. I believe for a long time too. And then I looked at my feet.
0: I also think that Steph Curry's so interesting because there's been very there's been a not not a lot, but there's been a fair amount of former pro athletes whose sons then go on to play professionally. Most of the time, those sons aren't nearly as good as the father, but sometimes they are rarely I- incredibly better. Ken Griffey Jr., you know Barry Bonds. But Steph Curry is probably the best example of an NBA guy whose dad played in the NBA. Because like all three of the Barry brothers were fine, but they're nowhere close to their father. Rick Barry is multiple-time NBA MVP, multiple-time champion, Del Curry was a very good player. No, Del Curry was a good player, but, but, but Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, Steph, he's one of the 20 best players that's ever Curry played. Curry is in the Hall of Fame.
1: Right now. Three years ago. Oh, no question. Yeah, so uh, he, he's my favorite. All right, Tell of 1029 ESPN Radio, going through our favorite NBA players by franchise.
0: Uh, all right, let's go to our favorite Spur. Okay. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place.
1: Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. (laughs) It's, It's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house, and like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, Well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house, you left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it.
0: We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It
1: would be short, everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch, and It's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it.
0: AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce some sunflower seeds – you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to alpinetouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer big mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. So, the like we said earlier, the Spurs are actually in the Southwest. We got the Spurs and the Suns mixed up. We talk about this all
1: the time, guys that we used to hate, that then we loved. Yeah. This is not my favorite spur. Yeah, but no one in the NBA has been like Philip Rivers, where he hated him forever and then loved him more than Manu Ginobili. Oh man, Manu's a good one. I hated, hated Manu Ginobili for the longest time, and it's it explicitly because of the flopping thing, man. The the that whole thing just makes me it just makes you crazy, and it's still not like my favorite thing, but the longevity the skill what he brought to the game the way he played and what he and the unstoppable force that he was obviously with tim duncan with you know uh uh tony parker and 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 the whole run with the spurs unbelievable also his last game in san antonio looked like an argentine national rally i mean it was just the blue and white flags everywhere what are they powder blue pastel i don't know it was it so that was awesome and it, it made me like it too but my favorite spur is david robinson yep uh i he was he was like this original I mean, you talk about athleticism. I mean, it's just not even possible. I mean, to he's be one of the greatest athletes. David Robinson. He goes to Navy, man, the Naval
0: Academy. Who ever heard of a basketball player from Navy? Well, they, I mean, they changed the Naval rules for him and him alone. He's the only seven foot person to ever be in the Navy.
1: Well, I, I think that was probably a nice exception <laughs> to make, you know, if you're going to let the admiral into uh, your college, his son goes to notre dame play football at notre dame uh but i always thought first of all david robinson is is one of the great basketball players of all time but also one of the gentlemen right like just couldn't be a, a more it's not even kind and nice he's certainly those things but just uh uh carried himself with such class forever in all it seemed like in all of his sort of dealings and his comings and goings and so he has always been very very high on my list uh as as a basketball player and a guy that i rooted for i must say the spurs who my favorite spur of all time if i if i mean really is is greg popovich i mean he's the one who is to me the the I love everything about Greg Popovich, the way he goes about it and what he is and what he represents and his surliness. And yet his caring about all and only basketball all the time. But the Spurs themselves have by and large been pretty nondescript to me. Tim Duncan is, I think in in many people's minds, the best power forward to ever play the game. Tim Duncan is exemplary in every way. He is not on my list anywhere of players that I love. I don't, I don't, I don't love Tim Duncan. I don't hate him. I think he's great. I just, he's just never like, okay, I get it. You get a great bank shot there from 12 feet off the elbow. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, he's like the least spectacular player right. in NBA history.
1: And so, at least and, a spectacular superstar that is. Yeah, at least And he is a superstar. He absolutely is. He he deserves, I mean, I understand his greatness, but he's, an, if you're asking me mean, who's my favorite player, it ain't him. It's not Tony Parker and it's, it's not Manu or anybody else. I don't, uh, the
0: Spurs here. <laughs> it's David Robinson. In the in the mid '90s, when I first started falling in love with the NBA, some of those old Western Conference semifinal and final and Western Conference finals, when this—I mean, David Robinson could never quite get over the hump because he just never could get past Hakeem Olajuwon. He could never get past Karl Malone. Crazy that both of those guys are—they uh, have more cemented legacies than even David Robinson, probably. But I—I—I I, I think that when, I mean David Robinson when. When he won the scoring title in 1994, I believe it was, him and Shaq were both, they were dueling down the stretch, and David Robinson scored 71 points to win the scoring title. That's ridiculous considering he doesn't shoot threes, and he also was an okay but not great free throw shooter. So to score 71 points. That is so many buckets. You know what I mean? Like you have to make so many shots, and then to win the scoring title like that as a guy who was just getting his points on the block. Unbelievable. I think that uh, he also deserves so much credit for Realizing the talent Tim Duncan was, taking a back seat to Tim Duncan to then go get himself not one but two rings, and I mean that's what then and <laughs> that's he, what gives him bragging rights over guys like Charles Barkley and Karl Malone because he did that.
1: It was he, so interesting too because he was the lead dog in the first one in Duncan's rookie year, and then he yeah. was this he was the second guy uh, between the two of them the second year that Duncan was in the league. So you're absolutely right, uh, culture. Let's go to the Los Angeles Clippers. My favorite Clipper of all time is a current Clipper, has barely played for this team, all things considered, but he's still my favorite, and that is Patrick Beverly. Wow. I love Pat Bev so very much. I, uh, I, I don't know that I can express the extent to which I enjoy watching him play, his just dogged defense, his absolutely unflappable in-your-face all the time. But again, from a competitive standpoint, like – I, guys talk about, well, you know, smack talking shouldn't be personal. Well, you know, the idea of smack talking is that you know something about the other person. And you're going to go at them. So it's going to be personal in some in some respect where it does cross the line to me is where it's no longer about winning. You're talking all the time. You're doing what you're doing because you genuinely dislike the person across from you and you want them, you want to humiliate them. I don't think, I don't like that. And I don't think Patrick Beverly does that. Patrick Beverly, everything he does is in the context of winning this game because he is that kind of competitor. And I, there are, there are almost none, but there are a couple. Steph Curry, maybe Anthony Davis maybe lebron guys that i will stop to watch play offense there's only one person that i will stop to watch play defense right now in the nba and that's mm. patrick beverly that's it just let me watch him lock up one on one with somebody and go to work it's the most it's it is beautiful so he is my favorite uh, uh, Los Angeles Clipper even though he's only really been there two two full seasons in, in total. He's been there three, but uh, it, it works out to two at this point in time. I love him.
0: My favorite Clipper is Lamar Odom. Mm. <laughs> I think Lamar Odom I, I uh, Lamar Odom is he defines his generation in a lot of ways and in, in not a lot of great ways, honestly, because he sort of represents what I think people thought of players in the late 90s and early 2000s. Guys, they were just Getting their checks and... Living the life. Producing the on a pretty high level, but never fulfilling their potential. I mean, Lamar Odom, based on what his actual skill set is, should have been a first-team All-NBA player. He's a 6'10 guy who can run the point forward, who can shoot it. He's smooth. He's athletic. He's long. And I think a lot of times he was considered lazy. But I also think that the game just came to him, so it, it, he saw it slow. Mm. And I think that the people took that for him being lazy rather than being like a savant. And I, I just loved watching him play. I know he only spent five years with the Clippers. He's probably going to be more well-remembered for his time with the Lakers. Of course. But, you know, I mean, he's obviously had a lot of trouble in his personal life since retiring from the NBA. But I always used to think, I mean, he's got to be one of the greatest left-handed players of all time, right?
1: I mean, if we're going to... He's, he's one of the greatest players ever with the last name Odom. I know that.
0: <laughs> but I... I uh, I don't know why, because most of the guys from his generation that kind of were that aloof, lazy guy who didn't fulfill their potential, I just love him so much more than all those other guys. I don't know why. I just always – I wish that my game could have been like Lamar Odom's. It's 2 Telling or 102.9
1: ESPN Radio. Coulter wanted it to be its own segment. It's going to be. We will do the Los Angeles Lakers right after this. Boise girls, summer is here. You want to have yourself a great weekend? Go to the Coeur Golf Resort. Stay in play. Stay in the hotel. Golf the Resort Golf Course, the world's only floating green. It is quite a sight and a great course, a fabulous course. Coulter and I were fortunate enough to go and play there. It is it's not just one hole. It's not just about one signature hole. It's about 18 fabulous holes. It's about having a caddy show you where to go, help you out, give you distances, rake bunkers, take care of everything that you possibly could need caddy services back up and running you can take a standcraft boat to and from the hotel between the golf course and the hotel resort if you're staying there that's a nice leisure experience how about a massage that's right get yourself a pre-round massage all of it included range balls hitting them into lake coeur d'alene it is if you are a golfer if you know someone who is this is a great great gift or just a great thing to do. You don't even have to necessarily stay. I mean, Coeur two hours away, maybe two and a half. You go over, you're there, you play, you go have some dinner, you come back. It's a beautiful drive and really a lot closer than you might think to setting on the Coeur d'Alene as good as it gets. CDAResort.com online, CDAResort.com online. Good of them not to make us spell the words Coeur d'Alene, by the way, on the website. That would be Uh, a lot higher degree of difficulty cdaresort.com you go on there book your stay and play right now get the experience of a summer the experience of a region the experience of a lifetime cdaresort.com
2: at blackfoot communications we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24 seven support. We evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more.
1: Monday, boys and girls. Dang nabbit, I'm in a good mood. What if I drink some coffee now? I might just lift right off. (laughs) Leave the face of the earth. I'm just hungry. Man, I'm with you. But you know what? It's okay. Delayed gratification. It's 2TEL is 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. Good to be with you. If you're looking for us on the social medias, Twitter. That's where you go. Twitter. At Gus Tutel, that's me, at 1029 ESPN, that's the station, and at Skyline Sports MT, that's Coulter, his enterprise, and uh, all the news in the uh, Big Sky Conference, including the new quarterback recruit out of Idaho that's going to Montana State. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, Coulter, we have been doing our uh, favorite players by NBA franchise. We get to the last team that we have yet to do, the 30th of 30 teams in the uh, NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers. I will go first. Uh, I know who you have selected. I'm not stepping on your toes here, uh, but also I'm not lying here. Uh, my favorite Laker of all time is Magic Johnson. Irving Johnson and the Showtime Lakers were the original. Were my original entry point into the NBA. They were the team that I loved first. I met uh, uh, Michael Cooper in Santa Fe, New Mexico, when I was, you know, I don't know, eight years old something like that he signed a basketball for my sister very nice guy so riley and worthy pat riley now worthy kareem magic byron scott michael cooper all those guys were my favorite players and magic johnson was uh you know a revelation the best of the bunch he was a six nine point guard whose ability to pass was unlike anything you'd ever seen. You couldn't, you know, looked like a magician. Hence, you know, okay, I get it. I understand why. But here's something. Did you realize this? So the, he won an NBA Finals. The Lakers won the NBA Finals. His rookie year. Yeah, he's the NBA, he was the MVP. Game six of that NBA Finals, Kareem gets hurt. Yep. They put him into play center yep. in the sixth and final game. Forty-two and fifteen. The point guard playing center. He also had seven assists from that spot. Uh, by the way, Jamal Wilkes, thirty-seven and ten. Nice complimentary role to the rook who was changing out of uh, playing out of position. And you know, it's easy to sit here and go, "Well, yeah, it's Magic Johnson," but it wasn't Magic Johnson. Then everybody knew he was a great player. But to do that in the moment and win your first of uh, you know, of of many five uh nba t- finals uh, any nba titles went to eight nba finals in his first 10 years in the league and was the mvp in three of those that's on un- it's just incredible so great player obviously his career and personal life um are 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 you know, documentary-worthy and have been and will be continued to be talked about and storied. They've been such a reflection of culture in a lot of ways, uh, and and tremendously intriguing. And yet, through all of this, I mean Magic Johnson walked out on the Los Angeles Lakers in a podium uh, as as the president on an impromptu conference that nobody had any idea on. And you know what? Almost everybody said. Well, it makes sense to me what a train wreck the Lakers are at the moment. Right. He did he did take some negative, you know, publicity for that. My only point is, by and large, the 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 smile as symbolic of what you feel like Magic Johnson is, the always engaging, personable, laughing friend. That he is is a persona that is just bigger than bigger than life you know and so that is something that i think has has carried it for him to be that to be that guy and be that way as well as being a great basketball player tremendous and it, it seems like everybody likes magic johnson so uh in any
0: case he's my favorite laker after leading michigan state to the 1979 national title and then like you mentioned winning finals mvp as a rookie Replacing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, legendary game, and then returning to the finals next year and losing, but then coming back the next year and winning. Mm -hmm. At that moment, 1982, I don't think that anybody would have ever thought there could be someone more famous and more important to the game than Magic Johnson. And then came Michael Jordan. And that's what's so crazy is that Michael Jordan was able to eclipse Magic Johnson somehow, even though Magic Johnson has as great a star power, as great of an it factor. And honestly dominated at a higher well, level well, than
1: Jordan all throughout
0: the entire rest it, of the decade. The
1: eighties were magic. I mean magic, magic was and Larry the Bird. face absolutely of, of, of the NBA. But I am I wrong? Larry Bird certainly, and it's the it's the rivalry and everything like that. But to me, Magic Magic Johnson is one and Larry Bird two in that. I don't think oh, it's man. a co equal deal. Oh
0: man. That's that's such a hard one. I mean, because I think that the 86 Celtics are one of the five best teams in the history of the NBA, and I think that Larry Bird's 1986, 1987, 1988 run is maybe the best three-year stretch by anybody not named Michael Jordan. I'm not Jordan. even arguing that Magic was a better player than Larry.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Magic is. Johnson Just had a lot talking about? Yeah. You're talking about the face of the NBA, who's the guy. yeah. It's both of them, but it it's is.
0: Tragic. I mean, it's hard. You're, you're splice and hair, certainly, to argue over the quality of their teammates because Larry Bird was playing with multiple Hall of Famers, too. I mean, five. I mean, you But, 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy are distinctly better than Robert Parrish, Bill Walton, and Kevin McHale. Well, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the 10 Bill best players Walton, of all time. Right? I mean, you got two of the 10 best players ever on the same team. I hope he wins some titles. Who's but, your
1: favorite Laker, Colton? You know,
0: I mean, I. If you were to make me make my All NBA team, you know, position by position, who's my favorite guy? Period in the history of the league, I think Shaquille O'Neal would be my center, and I don't think Kobe Bryant would be my shooting guard. But Kobe Bryant's still my favorite Laker of all time. Shaq is one of my favorite players ever. I just don't. He, Shaq was such a, he was such a nomad in the NBA. So while he did have his greatest success, his peak was with the Lakers. Yeah, you know, he also won a title in Miami. He played for so many different franchises. I mean, you could distinctly remember Shaquille O'Neal with definitive moments with all three, the magic, the Lakers, and the Heat, and then kind of the second half of his career where he was he was oh, you know, yeah, banged up and out than, of shape. More but, than a half, but yeah. Right. Or less than half, but yeah. R- sure. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the reason I said that he, I thought he was on kind of my underachieving team is, here's the thing. It's impossible to say Shaquille O'Neal underachieved. He was one of the most dominant players in NBA history. I mean, four, four NBA titles doesn't lie. Yeah, but if he worked the way other guys and would I work, think, But yeah. I think that's what sets Shaq apart from anybody is that not only did he not care to work, he just he just didn't care. He knew he could be one of the 10 best players in the history of the league without putting in all the effort, without grinding like Kobe Bryant did. And you might think that that caused him to be a little bit less than what we wanted him to be. I mean, the fact that Shaq only won one MVP is pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. There's guys that are just flat-out lazy, okay? Sure. I get that. Like, okay,
1: it's a personality flaw if they're that. I also think that there's guys who, you know, they love basketball. That's what they do. They're tremendous. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal can be nothing but a basketball player. Like, yes, <laughs> I mean, he's born. This is who you are. You're playing basketball, man. But also... If, if he worked as hard as Kobe worked, for instance, he wouldn't be Shaq. Exactly. He'd be somebody exactly. else. Exactly. And the guy I love is Shaquille O'Neal. No doubt. No doubt. Like, he's, he, all that stuff is what makes him him. And it's not, you know, maybe it is work ethic or whatever, but also maybe it's just, hey, I got other interests. I got other stuff that I want to do. I want to have some fun. I want to be gregarious and, and go out and make rap records and do Shazam and do the whole thing. yep. yep. You know, and that... You know, people fault him for that. I don't. I think that it's like, look, man, yeah, you didn't maximize your potential as a basketball player, though you were great, though you are a first ballot walk in Hall of Famer, though you're all of that stuff. But you did maybe maximize
0: the persona, your life. Yeah.
1: And what you still are out there doing—general insurance <laughs> right. commercials.
0: Well, that's and that's the thing that Michael Jordan cast the shadow over everybody because we would be talking about Shaquille O'Neal as the greatest marketing maven and the most marketable player, maybe in pro sports since O.J. Simpson. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan put the whole thing in a different stratosphere. No, no, no doubt. But to me, the greatest Laker of all time, although Magic Johnson is exceptional and Shaquille O'Neal certainly deserves a ton of credit, is Kobe Bryant. And I think that he defines. A franchise, a city, I think he defines it all, and it's so interesting, considering he does have Philadelphia roots, that he is one of these definitive characters on the other side of the country. Yeah. But I think that there's never been someone that set a stated goal to chase the impossible and then did it for as long as Kobe Bryant did it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else that was tried to be anointed the next Jordan, they either fell off the rails like Grant Hill when he, because of injuries yeah. or like Vince Carter, he just deflected away from it. He didn't want that. We saw so many guys get eaten alive by it. Allen Iverson, he never wanted to be like Michael Jordan because he didn't want to have that, how do you say it, like squeaky clean persona. Allen Iverson wanted to be himself. Kobe Bryant wanted to be like Jordan for better or for worse, but he defined that to the world and then chased it. And to have the courage to do that, you could say he won one less ring, but to go through it like he did with Shaquille O'Neal, to have that team break up, Phil Jackson leave, and then to have the trash teams that he was on for a couple years. I mean, like Devin George and Smush Parker, and like these guys, I mean... They're as bad as the Cleveland teams that LeBron was on. It just happened to be that they were in the Western Conference when the West was stacked, so they're not going to the playoffs even. But then to reinvent it, to team up with Pogasol, team up with Lamar Odom, and win two more, it's a, it's a unique story, and I know Kobe gets all sorts of credit, and especially now that you know he's passed. He's he's getting more reverence than ever before, mm-hmm. but I still think that he doesn't get enough, and I don't I, I don't know what the missing link is. I, everybody always stops starts and stops the argument with, well, he wasn't quite as good as Michael Jordan though, but what about just the way he defined it? I mean, the son of an NBA player, a, the first guard to come out of high school to have any success whatsoever. The only guys that ever come out of high school that had any success were big guys, not guards. He set that pace. He I mean he created guys like Tracy McGrady that's because of kobe bryant and i just i don't think he gets enough credit for the way he changed the league we talk about his accomplishments they're worthy certainly but i don't think he gets enough credit for the way the influence he had on this entire generation of guys
1: yeah and i think too we're we haven't seen we haven't seen all of it yet you know right we're 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 close enough i realize with lebron james that we've even moved in terms of the current players now and the kids that are coming up in the game, it's still, it's LeBron James even, you know, now. And I understand that, but it takes some time to sort of take good stock of all of the ramifications and all of the influences that a guy has over the course of time in a, in a setting like the one we're talking about. And certainly, you know, the way that people, well, you know, things that. I, let's put it like this: a whole lot of people found out a whole lot of stuff about Kobe Bryant that they didn't know while he was alive. And I think that has. Opened a lot of people's eyes to who he was, what he was about. No doubt. You know, even even things like his relationship with Michael. I mean, you sure. assume that these two guys hate each other, or no. certainly that Michael isn't about. And you find out that that no, 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 this is not the case at all. These are these these two are uh, about as close as you can be. And you know, I think that that is the sort of thing because everybody held it against Kobe. The all oh, the Michael Jordan, you know, guy held it against Kobe Bryant. What, what do you think you are going to do? Get out of here with that and and then he kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming you know and, and that was never going to change and he you know he's the mamba
0: there's no for that. Uh, the, the most revelatory thing that's come out since he passed away was his well first of all his, his insatiable desire to continue to learn and grow I think that part I mean, that's why it's so tragic because it's not just the loss of a legend, but he had so many things that I, I'm i sure he could have accomplished absolutely. moving forward. I mean, he, he would have been one of those guys where in 40 years we would have to tell our kids about him as a player because he would have been, redefined himself in such oh. an elite way in other ways, yes. right? Yes. But the other thing is that the phone calls, so many people talked about how they just would get a call. Who is this? It's Kobe Bryant. Young players. You know, hey, dude, I'm watching you. You know, here's here's how my advice on how you should navigate. Here's what you need to improve in your game. Here's what you need to improve in your life. You just call guys up. Never met them before. Not their teammates. Call guys up, talk to them. You know, Bill Simmons had a great story about Bill Simmons did a great article about Bill Russell and the art of leadership. And he said one night his phone rings like eleven o'clock. L.A. number answers it. It's Kobe. He Says Bill. It's Kobe Bryant. I read your your stuff about Bill Russell. I'd love to pick your brain about it. Do you have some time? So Bill Simmons says okay. And you don't say no. <laughs> and so he talks to him for like 30 minutes on leadership. He says, thanks, Bill. Nice to meet you. And hangs up. And then Bill said he called him back years later and said, can I make that into a podcast or can I write about it? He said, no. It's a personal conversation. And Bill Simmons, obviously, he asked Vanessa after Kobe died if he could share that story. And that's why it's out there now. But I think that that's just what Kobe was. He was always wanting to improve the entire state of the game. Michael Jordan wanted to be the greatest, but he didn't want anybody else to be the greatest. He wanted to own it. Kobe, I think, wanted to improve the state of the game at all times because he loved the art of the beautiful game more than anybody. It's two Tel Newlands
1: 1029 ESPN Radio. Take a break. Come back. Round out a Monday, which has been an enjoyable one. Hope you've had as much fun as we had next. Coulter, during this time where we gotta be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch Welcome back to Telling the 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. If you missed anything in the show, you can listen on the podcast. The Two Telling Nuanas podcast is there for your enjoyment on all your favorite podcasting platforms. If you're listening on the podcast now, good for you. You've done it. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Podcast brought to us by Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Uh, Colter, we're just going to briefly talk here about the situation at Idaho with the men's basketball team sanctions being handed down. But before we do, uh, it right now is a lot sort of like, yes, at Idaho step into a, a a huge pile of poo that you didn't know was there. And it's a major, major bummer. Well, don't let it happen to you. Go to MontanaPooperscoopers.com. That's right. At least you can avoid the waste in your yard with their weekly dog pick waste removal. None of us, none of us wants to deal with a dog waste in the backyard. So visit MontanaPooperscoopers.com and find out how you can get set up with their weekly waste removal or even just a one-time pickup. They have service in Missoula and Lolo. Visit online, PooperScoopers.com. The one job that no one in the family wants to do, they're going to do it for you. Right now, mention this ad, you get $25 off of your initial service. Coulter, uh, Don Verlin, longtime head coach at Idaho, uh, the men's basketball coach, uh, was fired a year ago mm-hmm. and was fired uh, with cause for violations uh, that, the, uh, that the school, first of all, self reported. And now it is coming out that they are going to be serving a two year probation, be fined $5,000, which is. Not a huge amount of money at a university standard, but it is not—it's not nothing. Uh, and then uh, there are going to be also some recruiting restrictions that they're going to have to deal with at, at Idaho, and so that will be, I guess, the final chapter of of all this. This stems from uh, violations of using a grad assistant as an assistant coach. So there's well, a- sort
0: of it was actually a, a manager that, that was promoted to a director of ops position. Because of the university bylaws, you have to be a to to get that sort of pay raise as well as promotion. You have to be in your final semester of college. It was basically a bookkeeping error where I don't think Don Verlin even knew that this kid wasn't a senior. I think he, I think everybody thought he was a senior, and he just happened to be half a dozen credits short of being an actual senior. And so, I mean, I don't know, man. To me, this is just ridiculous. Like when you go through when you go through the documentation. Basically, the three violations were the promotion of this this young man. Yeah. And it seems like it was an honest mistake. And then, I mean, there's a couple anecdotes. I mean, at one point, one of the assistant coaches had a contact lens come out of his eye. So he went to the bathroom to put it back in. And this undergraduate ran the drill that was happening in practice. So because he's on the court coaching players, but he's not an assistant It's a violation. I mean, he was coaching the drill for like four minutes while the guy puts his contact back in. That's what an NCAA violation is. It's crazy. I mean, they also had had so many injuries that last year. They only had like eight players that could even practice. So they had like a couple guys just practice with the team that weren't on the team. For the NCAA to come down this hard on Idaho, it just seems so silly to me. I mean, why are you going after Stephen F. Austin and giving him the death penalty and giving Idaho... These penalties, when <laughs> cheating is is by and large rampant in the at the highest level of college basketball, or at least at the very least, the the behavior is way more unsavory than some twenty year old kid running a drill for three minutes because the coach's contact lens pops out. This is what we get from the NCAA, huh, Coulter? It's just brutal, man. I. I that was your Burn Street
1: Bistro Burn of the Week. How many Burn Street Bistro burns are we going to just launch at the NCAA in some form? <laughs> <laughs> well, are not every other one.
0: And the, the thing that's just such a bummer about this is there's a lot of politics behind this, too. And for whatever reason, it seemed like Idaho wanted to force Don Verlin out. All these violations were self-reported. They used it to then subsequently fire Don Verlin. But I just find it fascinating because Idaho has not been good in basketball in 20-plus years, and Don Verlin had them being good. The year that he was after he was fired, they were bad that year. But that's because they graduated six seniors and they had eight freshmen. But because of his departure, they lose one of the best freshmen in the league in Cameron Tyson. They had a mass exodus. Eight guys entered the transfer portal. And now Zach Klaus, the interim-turned-full-time head coach, has to start from scratch again. No one had won 20 games at Idaho in more than 25 years. Don Rowan did it two out of three years. Seems like that's a pretty good bar. I don't know why they were so intent on forcing him out, but it seems then to double down and have the NCAA come down so hard on you for self-reported violations. Is the AD new? just drives me crazy. Yeah, the AD is new. Is and the that, president new? That's exactly it. Okay.
1: We know all we need to know. Boys and girls, have a wonderful rest of your Monday. We will come back strong with you tomorrow. It's 2 New It's at CSPN Radio.